If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, then welcome to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we'll try to understand what this whole Warcraft movie is about with longtime World of Warcraft player and former NFL punter, Chris Cluey. And in honor of our guest who has provided the theme song for this very show, we will crown the Mount Rushmore of athlete musicians and then cower in fear when we leave Chris's band, Tripping Icarus, off of the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Adam's looking at me like, like, uh-oh, <laughs> like, maybe I should reconsider. No, no, it's just individual artists, not bands, individual artists. Right? Are, oh, is that what we decided? <laughs> we didn't really decide much. We're going to just see That's how kinda, this goes. That's amazing. We don't often decide a lot of things. All right. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. Joining me in studio this week, a fresh-faced sports media strategist who has worked for the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands. It's Mr. Adam Willard. Adam, how are you? I'm good. I think, uh, so here's the only problem I have with the introduction. I'm getting, uh, as my ego increases, I don't mind the grandiose introduction as much. You introduced yourself as a sports marketer. I think next show, I'm going to do the introductions. And I'm going to come up with a title for you because sports marketer certainly does not not do the trick. So it'll be like, should we just tell the truth? Like, I'm an unemployed guy who mops up your office at night and (laughs) I stole some equipment and uh, I'm bribing you uh, because I found some pictures and you do the show with me. Brad is a sure. sports moppeter who mops up every night at a sports marketing firm. Grown. Joe gave a Joe gave a thumbs up to us like that was a good line, and I was, and then he got instantly embarrassed when he yeah. realized none of us <laughs> thought that was a good line, and now he's just silently laughing to himself like he does. I mean, here's the thing, Gareth. Just so you know, since you're on the other end of the phone, your jokes always hit with Joe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's you're like because Joe's still like Seinfeld, and that to me is like, whoa. <laughs> Seinfeld's good, man. Seinfeld's good. And speaking of Joe Reed, our producer extraordinaire, he's here today. He does not have a mic. Sorry, America, but trust us when we say he's giving nonstop thumbs up. He's and he's providing <laughs> nonstop. He's, he's providing the laugh track. <laughs> All right, so if you listen to the show. If you are a beautiful and unique sparkle pony, in the written words of Chris Cluey, who wrote a book with that very title, uh, you know we don't just invite people on. That's lame. We call them out. We let you know who's talking about what so you can put the heat on them so they come on this show and talk about what with us. We call this process slamming the hammer. Joe gave me a thumbs up, which means that wasn't funny. So Joe's laughing again. Adam, Adam, you got a hammer. Who you want to slam it on? Uh, I don't know that he does media anymore, but I would like to talk to John Madden. Um, All right. All right. So some there are like you've heard successful people talk about having to f- you money. And I work in communications. So 
that will never happen to me. Um, but I have had some of those cool moments that I've wanted to rub in people's faces. And one of them is when I worked for the Green Bay Packers and John Madden and the crew would come in for production meetings and and then, of course, the game broadcast. On those Friday production meetings, John Madden and his assistant would bring in a duffel bag full of Madden games. And every year, John Madden would hand me my copy of Madden. That's pretty amazing. So it's not so much that I want to have John Madden on the show. I just wanted to brag and say, you to some people. Okay. Because that's baller. Cool. That is baller and aggressive. Week. And aggressive. I had nothing this week. And that was a <laughs> For des- shame. That was a desperate grab, but it was kind of funny. Yeah. So it worked. Hey, Joe gave you a thumbs up so you know that it uh, oh, Joe, it really landed. Joe laughed at something. It's become meaningless. So you know the people who liked Caroline, <laughs> Caroline in the City and Mike and Mike think it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Gareth, that was good. Gareth, who is your, who is your hammer? Uh, you know what? I actually want to follow up, uh, Adam, on that. I, the first job I ever had in national sports was working for Fox as a stats guy on the final year of the hallowed production team of Bob Stenner as the producer and Sandy Grossman, the director. Uh, yes. Sandy Grossman has since passed, um, but. Bob Stenner was the first producer I ever worked with. I think the man is one of the unsung heroes of not just sports or anything like that, but frankly, television and media. And he was the producer in John Madden's year for all those years. And I would love to talk to Bob Stenner on this show about just some of his A, Madden stories, and B, what television was like to work in in the 80s, because he's got some doozies. Um, But honestly, for uh, Adam, to your point, one of my cool moments of life that you get from doing this sort of work that is no replacement for you money when you have to pay your rent, but is a good bar story, uh, was we were sitting around watching a game one night and Bob pointed at the television and he was like, yeah, you see those arrows pointing into the end zone. So, you know, that they're driving either to the 50 or on the other side of the 50. And we all said, yeah. And he was like, those were my idea. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, basically when I joined that crew, one of my mentors took me aside and said, you think you're so smart, huh? That guy was hanging out at the Playboy Mansion with Hugh Hefner when you were in diapers. So just shut up for a little while and listen to him, okay? So Bob Center, uh, one of John Mann's producers, that is, we'd love to have you on the show to just hear all about it. That's excellent. All right. My hammer, Aisha Curry, Steph Curry's wife. Hmm. So here's the deal. Name me another spouse of a professional athlete who's not an athlete or established star themselves that is more prominent than Aisha Curry. Kiko Grimes might die. Right. Like, you really can't. Like, she's, she's like, 
an average person who is not, you know, not like a model or a, uh, a like, it's not like uh, when Andre Agassi hooked up with Steffi Graf and she was already an established athlete or when, you know, athlete X starts dating uh, Aaron Andrews or somebody you already know. Kurt Warner's wife, maybe. It's, you know what? Interesting parallel, but no one really remembers her anymore. But yeah, that's a good example of one. Yeah. So Aisha Curry has really become synonymous with Steph Curry. Like they are a unit. And a lot of this is by their own design. She's very much a part of his publicly facing life. Um, they always have their daughter in. He has her sitting on his lap at press conference and stuff. So they invite stuff in. Well, she's got a cooking show. So if we think this much about Aisha Curry, and if you're watching the NBA Finals, people talk about her nonstop, you know? I figure, hey, I don't care if she plays a sport. She's basically, like, synonymous with Steph Curry and the Warriors. So she's going to host a cooking show on the Food Network, and she already has her own cooking website. Let's have her on and talk about cooking. That's awesome. I love that idea. I'm all in on it. I'm sure she'll be eager to take my calls. We're taping this tonight, (laughs) like, two days before Game 7 of the Finals, (laughs) which she just accused the NBA of uh, being rigged. So... (laughs) Sure, she really wants to come on. Actually, now is the time to come on Just Not Sports. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you any we shit like that. We don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. Bury the lead, my friend. Bury the lead. All right. So those are our hammers this week. We'd ask Joe for one, but he doesn't have a mic. And he's just nonstop scratching his eyes and giving us thumbs up. And laughing. He's in a great mood. He but is Joe in a great like, mood. Joe has a good disposition. He hasn't this been This is the most Joe's done on a Friday night in 20 years. Down by life. Yeah. Um, hey, so, look at me. I'm young and I don't have any problems. <laughs> It's awesome. Good for you, Joe. If you've got someone you want us to talk to, send us an email at justnotsports at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at justnotsports. Find our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash justnotsports. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we wait, come back. Oh, wait. Are we also on Instagram? Did you just say that? We are on Instagram. We are on Snapchat. You yeah. know what, Adam? We may need to make you the Snapchat guy for Just Not Sports. Why? Because I... You just can't manage actually, anything Joe else. Reed, Joe Reed's on it. He's going to be the Snapchat guy. I don't even know how to use it. I'll, I'll take a tutorial, millennial. Joe can't respond. Anyway, much like much like people in this generation, focal communication. Not yeah, so nothing. Good. He's texting me nonstop though, uh, <laughs> it, but it's all just thumbs up emojis. Uh, so with that, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk to longtime friend of the show, meaning he was also on one other time, Chris Cluey. Uh Truly great guy, interesting, really interesting dude. He's got such a. a a wide range of interests that he's parlayed into, you know, he's not just a guy who likes books. He writes books. He doesn't just game. He's like a nationally recognized, you know, skilled gamer. We're going to talk to him about the Warcraft movie. He's at Chris Warcraft on Twitter. World of Warcraft played a huge role in his uh, coming of age. So we're going to break down his expectations for it and just kind of like what it's all about for the uninitiated. So it's a fun interview. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey there, Sparkle Ponies. Producer Joe here. Quick note before diving into our interview with Chris Cluey. If our mic audio sounds a bit echoey at times, just know that it's not your headphones. We're working on getting this fixed for future episodes, but it was such a fun time talking to Chris that we wanted to share it with you regardless. Let's get right to our talk with Chris on all things gaming and Warcraft. Enjoy. Joining us on the show right now is a true renaissance man of the sports world. He is a longtime NFL player. He is an author. He is an activist. And he's a musician whose song, Come Together, has served as a theme song of this very podcast ever since he joined us way back in episode number three. 
Now, Mr. Chris Cluey is our first ever repeat guest, and he's not here to talk about any of that stuff that I just mentioned, because if you know Chris, you know he's got a true passion for gaming. So we brought him on to talk to us today about that, and as, as well as to help us really understand the Warcraft phenomenon as it is really kind of blown up worldwide the past few weeks. So Chris, thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, uh, the check is in the mail, my friend, for uh, dealing with us twice. Yeah, yeah, thank you for the effusive introduction. That was, uh, <laughs> that was very nice. And we would pay you royalties on the, so- on the use of the song if anyone was listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I follow you on Twitter, at Chris Warcraft. I mean, you're clearly a huge fan. I have to know, how have you not seen this movie just yet? What What's going on, man, that's keeping you from the multiplex? Um, so I blame my kids because <laughs> they take up a lot of my free time. <laughs> yep. Good. So, uh, yeah, it, it when, when I saw the previews, I was kind of like cautiously optimistic, um, you know, because, because video games have a very long history of being made into horrible, horrible movies. Yes. Thank you. So, Let's talk uh, about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, I saw the previews. I was kind of like, okay, this looks like it could be all right. And then. The reviews I've seen have been mixed. Some people really like it. Some people really hate it. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, to me, I, it feels like one of those movies that I'll probably just watch on Netflix or when it hits HBO or something. As uh, Again, with kids, my free time is very precious. <laughs> yeah. Chris, if we look at the long, I mean, we can get into a little bit more about what Warcraft is. But I think interesting thing uh, that you mentioned is the history of great video games being made into terrible movies. So uh, to me, Mario Brothers is probably the worst example, but Street Fighter, <laughs> Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. The Wizard. Oh, the yeah. Wizard was <laughs> that was. Street, but Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, why does it never pan out? Um, well, it, it's funny. I was actually talking uh, with a friend about this the other day, and um, my my take on it is is that when people play video games, we each have our own individual unique experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what the plot line of the game is. We could go through, follow the exact same plot line and have two completely different experiences. So in order to capture something like that for a movie, you either have to make it so generic that nothing really happens and no one can really identify with anything or you risk isolating a bunch of fans who didn't have that experience in the game, and they go and watch the movie, and they're like, hey, wait a minute, that's not how I played the game. I, I don't like this. Why isn't it telling my story? So I, I think just the nature of the medium makes it very tough to translate a video game experience into a movie experience. Okay, first of all, I think the Mortal Kombat movie is way underrated. No, you don't. I have no problem. I have no problem with it. I thought at the time the effects were like good enough. I thought the storyline was pretty hilarious, and it's it's like... Kind of so bad it's good, but the the song it gets credit for the song, man. Come on, Chris, back oh, me up on this. <laughs> my 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 Mortal Kombat experience was me and my friends went to go see it in the theater, <laughs> and it the movie starts out and it does that doo, 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 yeah. Mortal Kombat, <laughs> and we just started dying laughing. It was so bad, and that pretty much set the tone for the entire movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the best. I I get it, but it's 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 not Super Mario Brothers the movie. That's that's it's, awful. Well, it, I would say yeah, the best yeah, thing yeah, I can say yeah. about Mortal Kombat the movie it is a poor man's uh, Enter the Dragon. You right. see all these random fighters in a random setting 
fighting for a reason you were not particularly sure of. Uh, but no, mm-hmm. it's an awful movie. Well, I mean, the game is a poor man's Enter the Dragon, this Adam. Street, that's... <laughs> street Fighter. Street Fighter was much worse. Though. Right. Yeah, no, that's bad. That's Van Damme, right? Yeah. Raul Julia's yeah. last movie, too. Poor guy. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, Raul Julia. Go out. That's a bummer. <laughs> uh, so, Chris. Tell us when you got into Warcraft. Like, when do you first remember? I mean, I'm guessing clearly, like, um, you've been playing for a long time. Like, when did you first kind of discover it and 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 really fall in love with it? Uh, I first started playing Warcraft when it was a PC game. I think on MS DOS. I want to say was the first Warcraft. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a long time ago, and it was just really cool. It was, you know, this real time strategy game, and you had your your orcs and you had your humans and the the thing that i remember that was really cool is you could actually cut down the trees and change the environment like i mean yeah they're these crappy ms dos graphics but no games up to that point really kind of had that environmental change in you know capable in the game and um so the the first warcraft was more kind of like a hey this is a cool concept and then when warcraft 2 came out i think that's when a lot of people really jumped on board because that was um i think that was after diablo so Blizzard had already been kind of establishing themselves as, hey, here's here's a studio to watch for. And then Warcraft, we just had, I mean, it, it, it reimagined the RTS genre in such a way that people were just like, I have to play this game. And, um, you know, and then they went on with StarCraft and everything else. But, uh, yeah, for me, I've, I've been playing Warcraft since the very beginning. And, and I think one of my favorite things about it is that it's never really taken itself too seriously. Like, that's... That's the thing I really like. Like, you know, you can click on the peons over and over and over, and their dialogue gradually keeps getting more and more annoyed that you're clicking on them. <laughs> like, stop bothering me. You know, <laughs> don't don't you have an army to be commanding, stuff like that. Like, And, and it's that breaking of the fourth wall that I think a lot of people really enjoy. And, and that's carried through in pretty much all the Warcraft games. Um, you know, even the MMO, like a lot of the quests were based on pop culture of the time. And it, it's those funny little nods that uh, I think people really like. I know you haven't seen the movie yet, but do you think those sorts of references that you're talking about carry over to the movie from what you've heard, or could they carry over to the movie? Um, from the reviews I've read, it doesn't. And that's actually been a big complaint, is that the movie seems to be trying to take the universe too seriously. And I think that Warcraft is a universe that you really can't take that seriously. I mean, you you have space alien brain eye and demons and orcs and humans like, like it's, it's this mishmash of everything in the kitchen sink and i mean you can't take that seriously like if you start taking that seriously then you start seeing how ridiculous it really is and you're like wait what but if it you know if it's self-aware if it makes fun of itself then it's like great everyone's in on the joke chris um in a in a, in a game environment that expansive are you are you kind of switching back and forth between the different the different like kind of races and characters or whatever or, you know or creatures or is it is the whole idea is it kind of like more like Zelda where you're just playing as one particular character going through each thing? Uh, well, it really depends which Warcraft game um, you played or right. you know which ones you identified the most with because uh, the RTS games. I mean, you're going to play all the factions, so yeah. you'll, you'll be exposed to all the different races and stuff. Um, the MMO World of Warcraft, like that one, you could play one character the entire time. I mean, that's that's pretty much what I did. I was like, a, I was a troll rogue for almost the entirety of my time playing that game. And you know, I know there are a lot of people who play it differently. Like they'll constantly make more alts, you know, to try out different characters, try out different classes and stuff. So I think, uh, again, it just depends which game it is that you got hooked on and, you know, kind of how you perceive the universe. Chris, do you find it hard now 
like balancing your family life with your passion for gaming. I know being so immersed into a game like this, um, do you find that balance hard, not being able to do it like you once could? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't played WoW since my second daughter was born because I, I just I don't have the time for MMOs anymore. It's um, you know, it's one of the unfortunate things that I like. I know if I if I play an MMO, I'm going to want to be the best at it that I can, which means dedicating lots of time to it. And with kids, like that's not really an option. I mean, I'd rather dedicate that time to making my kids the best they can be. <laughs> right. It's a little bit more important. So. Uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, for me, at least the way I play games, I know that I'm going to get so sucked into it and, and just so into um, trying to, to accomplish everything in the game that I just stay away from, from games that have the possibility of me doing that. It's just easier that way. So when you see something that you love and you've played your whole life turned into a movie like this, do you do you get protective of it? Like are, You mentioned being cautiously optimistic, but... There's a lot of fans who are even outraged that like, oh, they're going to ruin this. I mean, do, do you ever feel like art or, or games or things that you are into can be ruined by a negative interpretation of them? Or are you able to compartmentalize and be like, hey, if the movie sucks, the movie sucks, but it doesn't take away from like my love of Warcraft overall? Yeah, I think it's part of the big problem that people take things way too seriously. And like, <laughs> yeah. it's a video game. I mean... You know, like like sports. It's a kid's game. You're you're running around throwing a ball to each other. Like you don't you don't need to take it that seriously. Um, so yeah, for for video games, it's unfortunate. There's a uh, you know, very strong and and small video game contingent of people who seem to think that if everyone else isn't having fun the way that they're having fun, then everything will be ruined. But it's like no, people can enjoy things in different ways. You know, what I get out of World of Warcraft, what I get out of the Warcraft movie, might be something totally different than someone else gets out of it. That's completely fine. Like we're, we're allowed to enjoy things in different ways. And so I I don't think you can ruin a, you know, a a video game franchise by making a movie because that's just one person's interpretation of it. And so you could say like, Oh, well, yeah, I didn't really like the movie, but I still like the games. I'm going to go enjoy the games and play the games and other people can enjoy the movie if they want. That's fine. It's their life. I mean, there's also there's also the likelihood that the movie will now be sort of driving fans to the game. I feel like it's. Would you agree that it's kind of like a two way street? Right. Exactly. It, it serves as a jumping off point to where maybe they'd never for maybe they've been living under a rock for the past fifteen years and they never heard of World of Warcraft and now all of a sudden they're like, oh hey, that sounds pretty cool. I'd like to know more about that. And then they start playing and they they find they really enjoy it. So, yeah, I, I don't think anyone needs to be gatekeepers of, of any particular hobby. I mean, it's you know how, how people want to enjoy their their entertainment and their hobbies. That's completely up to them. Chris, I'm curious to get your thoughts on just sort of esports in general. You know, we've one huge topic that I think has been mentioned on the show previously. We heard we've heard about esport athletes being offered college scholarships now, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I mean, did you ever think something like this would happen? Do you ever think you would see something like this? Yeah, no, that, that's something where I think the, um, the growth of esports is really paralleling the growth of uh, traditional sports and that right now we're in kind of the um, like 1920s, 1930s phase of uh, like what football and baseball went through where you have, you have like these regional teams and you have these regional leagues and nothing's really kind of cohering yet but the potential is there and all the parties are working towards it. And so 
it's just a matter of time before you start hitting that, okay, now we're actually forming the AFL and the NFL. And, you know, now we're actually forming the MLB. Um, so I, I think that esports is, is definitely going to keep growing and um, more and more colleges will be offering scholarships. And I think more and more people are going to continue to get into esports and enjoy both watching and playing them because one of the, one of the big things that esports has that every, pretty much every traditional sport has is the barrier to entry to get into esports is now very, very low because almost every house has a computer, almost every house has an internet connection, and a lot of these games are free to play. So all you need to do is just download the game and play it. And I mean, you know, you compare that to like soccer or baseball, all you need is a, a grass field and a ball. Like that's, you know, and, and, and kids are enjoying playing it and they're enjoying watching other people play it. And so as they grow up and then have kids of their own, they're going to pass that along. And that's how sports grow. What's your favorite video game to watch someone play? And I say that from this. I remember so distinctly one night in college, like my friends and I got like a ton of beer and just sat in some guy's room and I watched him play Mike Tyson's punch out from start to finish. And I remember being like super enthralled the entire time. So as a spectator, Chris, not someone who's like playing in a multiplayer, like what do you find the most compelling as a, as a viewer? Um, there, there's a couple, there's two different types of uh, viewing experiences. I really enjoy Um the first one is uh, the speedrunners. You know, the the guys who they just try to break the game. I mean, they're trying to get through games as fast as possible, and and they do these ridiculously skilled movements. You know, that they've plotted out after playing hour after hour after hour, and and the mastery that they show of those particular games, like to me, that's very impressive because I you know I know how much time has gone into getting to that level. And then um, the second one, the second viewing experience is uh, League of Legends right now. The, uh, I think Riot with the LCS, um, the League Championship Series, they probably have the closest thing to a functioning sports league at the moment. And it's, it's just really fun to watch because you have teams. Um, there's, there's like three teams that have been there for a long time, TSM, Cloud9, and um, CLG. And then uh, the other ones are kind of that, you know, regional teams pop up, they disappear, and your team replaces them. But the thing is, like, you, you have these storylines. You have players that have been in the LCS for multiple years now. You, know, you have teams that have developed rivalries. Like, that kind of stuff is, is really cool for me to watch because, like, I don't normally watch sports. Like, I won't tune into a baseball game or a basketball game. Um, but I'll tune into a league game because I like watching the teamwork. And I know that I understand the intricacies and complexities of the game. And it's fun to watch other people perform it at such a high level that they're able to do. Related to that, Chris, uh, one thing we haven't talked about is sports games. Is it something that you were ever into or something that you avoided because you wanted that separation? So, for example, I'm a huge NBA 2K fan, and I unfortunately never was a professional athlete, but I love the the fantasy of putting myself into career mode and going through uh, a simulated career. Were you ever into sports games? It's it's funny. so growing up, the only genre of video game that I didn't play was sports games because I was horrible at them. <laughs> it was, I was so bad at sports games. Like uh, I think NBA Jam was probably uh, probably the only one I played. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's just for whatever reason, they never really clicked for me. And I, I think part of it was due to the fact that I was like, well, why am I going to play this game when I could just go out and and do it like you know why, why am i going to play a soccer game like fifa or something i can just go out and run around and kick soccer ball around so yeah two-part question chris first is could you please give us a he's on fire from nba jam <laughs> <laughs> he 
He's on fire. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. That's a golf clap from us here at the studio. Uh, second, you were in video games. So being a professional athlete, um, being a gamer, I, I, I'm both curious about whether you know, or just how you, how you process seeing yourself or seeing your, you know, in the, 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 you know, sort of avatar, uh, you know, that matches you in, in whatever game you were first in, uh, and what that was like, but also what is the unique sort of role of being an NFL punter? Like, it's not, it's not all that, uh, you know, video games for football are when you like go for it on fourth down every time, or you're throwing long bombs. Like, it's not like you might get a lot of run in the average 54 to 45 Madden game. So did you play as yourself or did you just sort of, you know, I guess, did you just not get into it? Yeah. So it's funny. Um, I never really played as myself. Like I, I considered Madden, um, and the you know Madden franchise to be kind of like, eh, whatever they get, they're going to have everyone in there. So whatever it's, you know, it's all the NFL players. It's not anything special that I did to be in the game. Um, so that one, I didn't really care too much about. Um, I did have a friend though who would uh, he would buy a copy of Madden and then put me in at quarterback to try and get me injured. So I have wonderful, <laughs> wonderful friends. Uh, you could put you in. A, I never thought about changing c- positions. Confession: for you. I put every team's punter yep. at quarterback. <laughs> oh man, brutal <laughs> cheating. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, but but actually the um I was in there was a reference to me in uh, Skyrim, which I thought was really cool. Uh, apparently, some of the uh, Bethesda people followed my Twitter feed, and so they put me in as uh, like a you know just a, a brief reference in like one of the optional books you can find if you go exploring around. I was like, that's awesome! Like, I'm actually excited about this. Right. So let me ask you about. Let me go back toward Warcraft, the Leroy Jenkins YouTube moment. I'm sure you've seen. We were talking about this earlier. I've long said that that's fake. Do you, do you think that's real, that that really happened? and and Or do you think it was kind of like someone just kind of set it all up and was like, this is hilarious, let's do this, and didn't realize it was going to go viral? Uh, I'm pretty sure that there were a couple people in on it. Um, I think the, uh, the reactions of most of the group members were real because that's what your reaction would be if something like that happened. Uh, so right. I, th- I think it, I, th- I think it was a mix of both. I think I think it was a very clever idea by the Leroy guy. I think he had the idea that he was going to do it beforehand, and then you know made sure to do it in a way where like it could be recorded that you know it was with a group of people who would react appropriately. And then yeah, I don't I don't think they expected it to go viral though. Right, and I I guess I always thought like I always wondered whether everybody in on it was just kind of pretending to be upset too. It just always seemed very. Very, um, because it wasn't him that was taping. Like you don't see him, you don't see his vantage point running into the into the the chamber. So somebody else was taping that. So you're right. Either somebody was in on it and just watching as a party, or the whole thing was staged. But either way, it has given us so much in the cultural lexicon. I love the the Leroy Jenkins moment. Chris, has anyone? Yeah, I mean, it's become almost this transcendent meme. I know. Like, Everyone knows what you're referring to. Were you a good team player in in Warcraft, or were you someone that would would kind of go rogue or boss people around or do your own thing? Oh no, I, I was I was a very good team player because the um so the guild I was in we were a uh, top three U.S. rating guild, so that meant that like we were pushing content as hard as possible to try to be the first ones to to down like new dungeons, new boss encounters, stuff like that. So I mean it was. It, it was legit a second job after the NFL. <laughs> I mean, I would, 
I, I would get home from practice and I'd be like, all right, I got to go farm uh, consumables, so I'll be ready for the raid tonight. And then uh, I got to make sure I'm near the top of the DPS meters, otherwise they're going to sub in someone who's better than me. So it was uh, it was fun though. I mean, there's I I really enjoyed the the feeling of you know pushing myself to the absolute most I could get out of my character, like the most I could get out of what I was able to do. And um, it was you know it's, it's a lot like hitting a good punt on the football field. You, you know, you've done your job, you know, you did it to the best of your ability and you know, you helped the team compete or complete the objective. I don't think I'm, I'm blowing smoke up your ass when I say going from NFL player to second job as professional gamer is kind of like the coolest gig in history. <laughs> like it's really <laughs> up there when you think about what kids long to do with their lives. Like I'm going to just leave my day job in the NFL and then play video games and be nationally known for it. Yeah, Chris, yep. I would like you to stop being good at so much stuff. <laughs> it actually made me happy to hear you say that you were bad at sports games, but yeah, you're a pretty well-rounded person. So I'm Chris. actually, I found one thing I am bad at, and it's singing. I don't sing very well. (laughs) Yeah, but you were still in a rock band. You're you're still in a rock band that that we use your. We paid you for your music on this show, man. You can't be that that bad. (laughs) That's why it's not me singing. That's why I'm playing bass. Okay, let me talk about the war. You, you, you're a writer. I've seen you when we when we talked to you on uh, on on our previous uh, podcast. We talked about your writing. We know you've done fan fiction for various like gaming worlds. And I'm just curious, not, I don't want you to write, write me dialogue here, but if you had written the Warcraft movie, if they had called you, what, what like top of your head do you think you would have gone, gone for in terms of like the setup, the main characters and, and how they kind of interact? Hmm. That, that's a tough one. Cause the thing is, is that you need to decide what kind of story you're looking to tell for the audience. And I think that, um, you, I, I know the uh, the director Duncan Jones. You know he's huge World of Warcraft fan. I think he tried to go for a more serious tone, which you know it, it's a worthwhile goal because there there are some good stories to be told in the Warcraft universe. But I think the overarching theme of the universe is kind of that you know tongue in cheek humor where there everyone's in on the joke. So I think I would have tried to make it maybe a bit not quite a comedy but more like it's like an action comedy right where a lot of you know a lot of good dialogue lots of lines where the characters are playing off each other and and really as much as possible not trying to rely on cgi because i I feel like that's one of the other mistakes that people make with video game movies so much they're like oh we got to make it look just like the video game we got to have these great graphics and it's like you really don't like all you need is a good story. I mean, that's what people want. They they want characters they can relate to and that have something meaningful happen. And if you can do that, then it really doesn't matter what your CGI looks like unless it's just god-awful. And we're at the point where that really won't happen anymore. Yeah, I mean, I like practical effects a lot of times anyway. Like, I kind of long for the days when... You'd be watching a movie and there'd be ogres and stuff that, like, are just in makeup. I mean, they... Jabba the Hutt mm-hmm. is like the greatest example, right? Like they CGI him and it's right. just like he loses the intensity because he just doesn't look as like something you'd want to touch. Um, so I, yeah. I wish they would lean well, more my, toward uh, the two. I, I was going to say my, my gold standard for kind of the, the best use of CGI in a movie that I've seen is uh, District 9 because oh, everything yeah. in that movie was so believable. Like it, it all fit. 
And, um, you know, if, if I were to ever make a movie like that, that's what I would want to go for, where you just you don't even question what's happening because it looks like it belongs so well. Chris, when will you be making a movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, so my ideal movie is I would make uh, Final Fantasy VI as a three-part trilogy. That would be my my ideal video game movie that I would want to write slash direct. All right, give us this the best video game of all time. Give us this elevator pitch right now, man. Hollywood execs all listen to Just Not Sports, so like you know you'll be you'll be green lit by morning if this if this is good. Oh yeah, my phone's just gonna explode. Um, (laughs) basically think um, I mean think Star Wars just in in a different universe. It's uh, you got this band of rebels. There's this evil empire that's um you know trying to to take over the world you have this madman who then takes over the the empire and you know starts making things even worse and they have to figure out a way to stop them i mean it's it's very functional the hero story that everyone knows and the the great thing is within the final fantasy 6 game itself the reason why i like it as one of the best games of all time is the writing is so good and there's so many different characters that are actually fleshed out as characters and you know they interact with each other and so that's why I would want to, to try to make it a movie is because you don't you don't care about the CGI. I mean, you could do some really cool stuff with CGI with the espers and the magic hats and everything, but really what you're focusing on is you're focusing on those character interactions and the stories that are told between them. That's where you really make a good movie. So I guess I guess my my trilogy would be Mortal Kombat again, with uh, <laughs> only this time with more Sonya. And uh, and less of the of like the cool less Sub Zero, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Red. So was that her name, Sonya? Sadly, I think yours has more more of a chance of being made than mine. <laughs> Mortal Kombat could use a killer remake. Though. I really would like to see a remake of Street Fighter as well. They're it doing was, it on Go ninety. It's are. like Verizon's app for content. They're making a Street Fighter show. Oh, fantastic. you should Google that. Dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us, Chris. See, see, we're Hollywood insiders. What can I say? Then, yeah. as so, Chris <laughs> has covered a wide variety of games. We've covered Street Fighter, Madden, uh, Mortal Kombat. That's about our the extent of our gaming knowledge. Joe, you're a you're a millennial. Tell I us am. About yeah. Your I uh, Chris. I wonder as like uh, as a huge fan of the game. Well, first of all, we were coming into this interview under the premise of all right, we're just going to go in and say. Uh, Chris, we did zero prep for this. Like, wh- like what is, what is, I know what World of Warcraft is. I know who Leroy Jenkins is, but I bet you 95% of the people who listen to our show, c- could you give us like the 30 second, what do, what does a, a lay person need to know about Warcraft, World of Warcraft? Are they the yeah. same thing? Are they to different? To enjoy the movie and stuff. To enjoy the movie, yeah. to understand anything. All right, so... 30-second synopsis of the Warcraft universe. Um, you have orcs and you have humans. Now, normally in fantasy, orcs are the bad guys, humans are the good guys. In the Warcraft universe, orcs and humans are both kind of gray. They both do good things, they both do bad things. They're fighting each other because the orcs had to flee their homeworld because it got invaded by demons. Uh, the demons are pursuing the orcs onto the humans' homeworld, and so you have this giant mess where the orcs and the humans really need to ally with each other in order to beat the demons, but there's that mistrust between them, and they, you know, start fighting with each other. And then uh, there's a whole bunch of other, like, minor side quest stuff in there, too. But really, if, if you need to know nothing else, just know that there's sports and humans. Both are good and bad. And, um, yeah, that's, 
that's about it. There's fighting, lots of fighting. <laughs> yeah, the the trailer had a lot of moments that I looked at, and like like I think there's like them riding huge eagles that are like kind of going into a battle. And you look from an outsider's perspective, you look at it and you think, geez, I wonder how much of the mythology borrowed from Tolkien. Um, mm-hmm. Now that's not to say this movie's ripping off the other movie because Warcraft was existed as an entity before Peter Jackson had ever started writing. What's going on with you know before he ever started writing his his trilogy? So what um, do you think this universe does sort of borrow from other sort of pre existing things like that, or do you feel like that's selling it short? Don't believe what your eyes tell you in 30, 30 seconds of a trailer. Oh no, like Warcraft totally borrows from other universes. I mean, like like I said before, that's actually one of the giant appeals of the game is that every iteration of or- of Warcraft since uh, Warcraft two has had pop culture references within it. And they're, they're, some are pretty subtle, some are pretty blatant, but it, it's, it's a universe that, again, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, like could it, you give us an example? Everyone, um, yeah, so like the, uh, in, in the MMO, they had one where it was, um, like a lot of the quests were uh, based off of um, like TV shows at the time. Like there was a Chuck Norris quest, um, because, you know, Chuck Norris was a meme <laughs> in uh, 2007, 2008. Um, there, there was one on a on a cooking show. I think it was uh, it was either America's Top Chef or something like that, where like you had to you had to go do this quest, and the um, the goblin who gave you the quest was a it was like a variation of Emerald Lagasse's name. <laughs> so, I mean, it, they <laughs> they've always had these pop culture references in there, and they've always you know again like they laugh at it. Like it's it's very obvious that you know yes, this is in there for that specific region. It's it's to make fun of it. So I mean, like the giant eagles and stuff. Yeah, that's totally token. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in a Warcraft game somewhere there was a mission where the giant eagle just takes you right to the volcano and you drop something in. <laughs> That's what should have happened. <laughs> that reminds me, do you remember the show Animaniacs, Chris? I do. So they did an episode where I swear one of them on a chalkboard wrote THX 1138, and that's like George Lucas's like first sci-fi films. I love mm-hmm. those little Easter eggs when they're so... Because now I think in a Pixar world, like you're... We, everyone's used to something coming and they know they're going to get like a little bit of a, oh, that's cool. But I think they still do it a little bit too on the nose. But when something's really subtle and you have to kind of earn your way to it, I find it so much more rewarding. Yeah, yeah, those are always fun. And, and again, in, in Warcraft, there are a lot of those Easter eggs. Like if, you, you know, if you've been playing the series for a long time, when you play the later iterations of the game, like you'll, you'll see nods back to the earlier ones. And uh, it's, it's just cool to see, you know, yeah. as a fan. Well, maybe next time we'll do the Animaniacs podcast for for show number three, Chris. Uh, and you and I can go deep. Yeah, we'll on, do the capital for the world. Yeah, Pinky and the Brain. You know, just there's there's endless endless conversations to be had. Adam's looking at me like, no, I'm out on that. No, I'm. But Chris, I would like to have you in Chicago for a Madden tournament because it's something I could. <laughs> yeah, you probably could. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, we Sorry, can't... we'll play DDR next. I'll, I'll Perfect. Yeah. Play. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we we can't thank you enough for coming back on the show. It's always a great uh, it's always great to um, to hear from you. What else have you got in the hopper? Like I know last time we talked, you were you were still working on writing projects. Like where can people uh, where should people go to see what you're working on, and what else can they expect from you coming up? Uh, generally, my Twitter is the best bet at uh, Chris Warcraft. Um, I usually update whatever I'm doing on there. Uh, I don't really have much of a presence anywhere else online, so yep. Twitter is where you want to go. Uh, and right now I'm working on, uh, we've finished the first draft of, uh, the sequel to our science fiction book, Prime. Yep. The sequel is called Slice. So hoping to have that out, um, within, you know, four or five months, however long the editing process takes. 
Uh, I'm working on a card game uh, that a publisher has picked up. So that's in very early stages now, but look for announcements on that soon. I'm very excited about that. Um, and then, yeah, uh, other than that, I mean, I'm just angling to become the future commissioner of the eSports League. So uh, remember, when the eSports League is formed, vote Commissioner Cooley. <laughs> Chris, you mentioned a card game. I have to ask, since we were talking about Warcraft, do you, I'm sure you've played Hearthstone. I just, I'm curious for your thoughts on Hearthstone in general. Uh, yeah, so Hearthstone is really, really good. It's also really, really frustrating because the, the great thing about Hearthstone is it solves one of the big problems that Magic the Gathering had, which is uh, resource management. So in, in, man, in Magic, you can get mana screwed, which means you can't play the game. In Hearthstone, you're always getting a mana crystal every turn. So you know that you're always going to be able to do something. That being said, the really annoying thing about Hearthstone is that Blizzard has made it so dependent on RNG, uh, random number generation, where there's really like it's you can get screwed simply by the fact that like your opponent sends their goblin shredder at you and then it pops out some ridiculous creature that you had no plans to, to counter. Oh, I, um, I played for maybe two months, you know, casually. And by the end of it, it was the most frustrating experience. It's like, if I'm not willing to spend money and like get these insane cards, like I'm just, right. I'm being annihilated by people who are just so much better than me, but it's, it's fun, but man, it gets frustrating. Yeah, it's uh, and, and and I think that's also one of the the other problems I had with it is that like I I ground to rank like four or three a couple seasons, so I mean I I played it pretty heavily and um Dang. there were just there were certain cards that you look at the card and you're like how did this get past the balancing game like Doctor Boom there's no way a card like Doctor Boom should ever get past any sort of balancing check like that card is completely broken and yeah. you saw it you know when people were making decks every single deck had Doctor Boom and that's in, in my opinion, that's a sign of bad game design. When a card becomes an auto-include, then it's not a good card. Because yeah, you effectively off. just cut down deck size by one. So, Anyways. Yeah, I, I, hopefully, yeah, hopefully they'll do better. But um, yeah, it's a, I think Hearthstone's all right. I just, I, I don't think it is. It has enough skill-based components to it to really kind of stand the test of time. I, I'm glad uh, I was able to get your opinion. I'm looking at two Joe guys so in the room. Happy. I'm looking at two guys in the room here who are, look like you're speaking a different language. So yeah. we can cut it off there. <laughs> this is like the meeting between Goodwill Hunting and his professor. I, I, I was like, "Ooh, resource management. Let's get on this train." No, <laughs> like, left turn. No, I'm glad I asked. I, I yeah, I've got him on the phone. Why not? Well, Chris, well, when you when your book comes out, man, let's have you back on and talk all about it. We love your writing. We love uh, all the stuff you've done. You're a true Renaissance man, um, and, uh, and and we do encourage everyone to follow you on Twitter, uh, not just for all the cool things that you're doing, but uh, you're such an out, outspoken advocate for um, a lot of just really important causes and movements, so uh, keep that up, too. So thanks, Chris, for joining, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. A few weeks ago, if you recall, if you are a longtime listener to the show, we had on a really funny comedian named Jensen Carp. He rapped under the moniker Hot Carl during the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, he's got an amazing new book out called Kanye West Owes Me $300. And during the course of our interview, I asked him who's on his Mount Rushmore of athlete rappers. Uh, it's a good discussion. Go back and listen to it if you haven't already heard it. But this guy is thinking, hey, it's, it's July 4th time. Why stop at rappers? We should be celebrating America's birthday by announcing once and for all 
who is on the Mount Rushmore of athlete musicians. So here's how this is going to work. We're going to go around. We're going to give our takes on who the Mount Rushmore would be if we had our druthers. And then we're each going to get a chance to put up one. Me, me, Gareth, and Adam get to put up one chisel in stone. What am I saying? Put up. We're going to chisel in stone. Over you know, the current somebody, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, over the current Mount Rushmore. Somebody is going up on this. And then we're going to turn, <laughs> turn it over to you guys, the beautiful and unique Sparkle Ponies. And you get to choose the fourth member of the athlete musician Mount Rushmore. So who wants to start? Gareth, Adam, who wants to start? Well, let's start. Can, let's all start with the guy who's going to be on all of our Mount Rushmores, I feel. Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Absolutely. If he's not. It'd be like if you made the original Mount Rushmore and you're like, instead of George Washington, I was really thinking about Millard Fillmore. <laughs> he had a good run. So Shaquille O'Neal is on, on Mount Rushmore. All in favor? Yeah, wait, 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 wait. Wait, Aye. wait so mm-hmm. we just broke our own format. So only one of us gets to put up Shaq, but there has to be one because we have to it. leave it open for the, for the listeners. So, But you're right. If We're all going to have Shaquille O'Neal on Mount Rushmore. But right. I, we'll have a question in a minute. There. We get we we don't just put them up there. We place them up there. So oh, we're gonna, so I think we would all agree. Shaq is front left. Yes, yes. Yeah, he's George Washington of yeah. athlete. Yes. All right. Yeah. So Adam, why don't you continue yours? Okay. You guys, this is going to be slightly controversial because he is not <laughs> oh, necessarily oh, known as an athlete. But this. Wait! 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 We're doing an athlete musician Mount Rushmore, and you're like, it's well, gonna be a little controversial. He's not an athlete, okay? Well, <laughs> what? he got into music because he was he was a very competitive and popular professional surfer. His name I have this name on my list as well. He was it's on Jack my long Johnson. list. Jack Johnson. He was on my long list. Yep. I, I debate. I actually had to scratch him off because I was like, I can't, I can't put him up there in terms of. So he was a professional server, but you got to help me understand how how like pro was he? Was he like the was he Kelly Slater's chief rival for two years, and then he became a superstar singer, or was he just a guy on the tour? Gareth, I mean, I don't know. It's I, my I understanding that and, he was a popular was surfer, like, not just a guy. Was that like? Hold on, let me ask the white guy. <laughs> talking yeah, about like professional like, surfing. Is, yeah, <laughs> Gareth, who who's, no, has I, a. I, who has a surfboard on his stoop? <laughs> I got a tattoo. Yeah, I've got a surfboard tattoo. Um, so we're a Tommy no. Bahama shirt right now. Oh, with Brad, a big, with a, with a big Johnson shirt underneath, like sleeves torn <laughs> off. Oh, did Gareth just hang up? I think Gareth just hung up. You have finally Gareth, offended him. You know what? You used to tear sleeves off of your t-shirts and wear it as a hairband, like when you had long that hair is, in high school. Are we just going to road go right around? No, we should go, we should go individually. Like you okay. should do your whole thing. Okay. I, I had Jack Johnson on my list as well, but I th- I took him off. Like I, I didn't take him off. He's still sitting in front of me. I'm looking at his name, but he is too much musician and not enough athlete in my mind. I, I just, I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm gonna lobby hard to get another one on there later. So I just have a hard time. I think it's a really good. I'm glad you brought it up. It's a really good question. The first thing you have to think of when you think of these guys is their sport. Got it. Okay. So that's a good parameter. Like that's like 
Because MC Hammer was kind of on the Oakland A's as a youth, as their bad boy. But I wouldn't call him an athlete. I'd call him an amazing actor. Fair enough. And then he also did music, too. So here's another one, and I feel very strongly about this one. Uh, Former NBA forward, Wayman Tisdale. Wayman Mm Tisdale. Do you remember Wayman Tisdale? Yeah, but I don't remember the music. So he is a... Jazz and blues artists, uh, his 2001 release, Face to Face, climbed to number one on Billboard's contemporary jazz charts. Um, he released eight albums total before his death in 2009. Um, was accomplished, sold out shows, not just on the merits of his uh, of him being an athlete, but really on the merits of his music. Played with uh, several of the Marcellus's. Uh, was very in- influential and well-known in the jazz community, Wayman Tisdale. That's good. That's good. A very competitive choice. All right, who's your third? Or fourth, I mean. All right. Now they get a little more ridiculous. Next one on the list, Oscar De La Hoya. Only <sighs> because uh, his 2001 release was nominated for a Grammy in the Latin pop category. And that was a competitive time for Latin pop, man. Yes, it was. The Latin boom. Yes, it was. I have not heard it. We'll put up some links. We'll put up some links when this runs. Mm -hmm. All right. And finally. It's a good one. It's a good one. And finally, in the heavy metal genre, WWE superstar Chris Jericho and his band, Fozzy. Six studio albums, one live album, uh, and Chris Jericho at, at one point took a break from wrestling to focus exclusively on music, uh, had his own show on Sirius Radio devoted to metal. Chris Jericho is the guy. I'm that Chris Jericho with. nomination, I think, is really uh, an important one because that – is a guy that was willing to step away from athletics to pursue music. And I think that counts a bit towards this. Yeah, but so, so. did Michael Jordan when he did the jam video. <laughs> Brad, you're on fire today. Um, He's also one of the great baseball players of the 90s. So, so here's how we should do this. These will all be our nominees. Mm. We'll pick one. We'll put it on a huge list, and we'll let the listeners decide from this list. Yeah. Great. Does that work? Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. So that so your four. Just go ahead and throw your four up. So uh, let's pull Jack Johnson out of this. We have Shaquille O'Neal, Wayman Tisdale, Oscar De La Hoya, and Chris Jericho. Solid list. It's solid list. It's not as good as mine, but it's very good. Oh, I'm excited. Gareth, why don't you go? This is actually I'm gonna actually be able to make this a little more succinct then because by getting Jack Johnson off the list and just Deciding that Shaq is on Mount Rushmore as is, I got my list down to four, featuring some embarrassment. Uh, first off, I'm going to follow up on Wayman Tisdale and Bernie Williams, center mm-hmm. fielder for the New York Yankees, just one of the most hallowed positions in sports, and a world class smooth jazz guitarist. So, a former Derek, Joe Reed Hammer. Absolutely. So I think Bernie Williams definitely deserves to be on this list. 
Um, I've actually I've hammered Jack McDowell before. Yeah, and Blackjack. I think we should throw him up. Yep, and I think that he in the early '90s was a guy that just really brought the Justin Sports lifestyle to the fore. As I said in my hammer. But I also want to throw in another guy from that era, and he's still around and in our lives, and that would be Alexi Lawless. In 1994, yeah. when the U.S. was hosting the World Cup and everybody was saying the soccer was going to take off and become a huge sport, he was the star that everyone that America marketed. You know, he had the red hair, the crazy goatee, and he had a rock band, and I just think that he he incorporated that into him, his brand and his style, uh, as much as anyone else on this list, including Shaq Fu himself. I'm going to throw Alexi Lawless out there as a nominee. I, I, I really like the, that pick. Yeah, Alexi's great. And we'll, I have more to talk about okay. Alexi in a minute. Yeah, I figured that you might have. Brad, you're a resident soccer expert, so I'm going to leave that one for further discussion. Uh, I have a couple more uh, in the embarrassing category. Bronson Arroyo. And (laughs) I'm going to even throw in as his backing band, uh, Peter Gammons. When I worked, when I was living in Boston, and the Red Sox, oh my God, I'm going to admit to this. The Red Sox won the first World Series in 04. Um, they, Peter Gammons put on a benefit show called Peter Gammons Hot Stove Cool Music in the off season that I ended up working. And the best part of that show was, well, there are two highlights, which was one, my boss owed me a few hundred dollars. And he said, I'll either give you that few hundred dollars or I'll buy you at the charity auction this baseball autographed by the Pixies. And I chose the baseball, which is still one of my favorite things I have. So thank you, Chip, for that. And then I got to see the Dropkick Murphys play Androgynous uh, off, just off the cuff by the Androgynous by the replacements. That was a real highlight. The low light was definitely Bronson Arroyo covering all those bands and then Peter Gammons and Theo Epstein playing behind him at the end of the night as the backing band. <laughs> yeah, so, so it, brings, it brings up a good question. So there are athletes who perform and do covers of other right. hits. Like, doesn't original music put you up further on the selection list? I just kind of wanted to shout out Bronson Arroyo. Look, I was just kind of hard on him. It's 12 years later, and I still remember that night very vividly. And when I was doing research on this, my wife said, "Are you gonna? Are you? You're gonna mention Bronson Arroyo, right?" So, as much as I might have made jokes just now, look, I give the guy credit for just totally embracing his acoustic cover life, even after he went to the Reds. So, you know, he. I'll throw him out there with Peter Gammons and Theo Epstein as his backup band. I don't think they're going to make Mount Rushmore. Here's my final nominee. And I'm as serious as a heart attack about this one. Former professional skateboarder and musician, Tommy Guerrero. Um, He was a skateboarder in the early days, the Stacey Peralta, Dogtown Z-Boy style, uh, LA birth of skateboarding. 
who then in the late nineties, two thousands, like just kind of stuck around San Francisco or, uh, LA and just made just really cool, really good two thousands music. It's, it definitely sounds like a little, like, I don't know. It's California rock trip hoppy kind of stuff. Um, but it's a really good listen. And then, uh, let me check the exact year it came out, but one of his albums just really got, uh, let me see here. What, what, Oh, but for all his work in skateboarding, he will be best remembered to me. Tommy Guerrero will be best remembered to me as a musician in 2003, his album, soul food, Taqueria was number two on Rolling Stone's top albums of the year, which is pretty incredible considering that that is a guy who had a major professional skateboarding career and then made Rolling Stone's second best album of the year. Gareth, I do think that's amazing. I do think that's really amazing that someone is reading a Rolling Stone article. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, right. Gareth, can I, if, I, if I may, were you reading that on your stoop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you go to the library I, I, and like check it out? <laughs> to buy it? What piece of vinyl no. was playing while you read that article? I was listening to Tommy Guerrero's later works while reading my own personal collection of early 2000s Rolling Stones, all heart, like all original releases <laughs> on my stoop. So, yes. Tommy yeah. Guerrero is my final nominee, and I'll li- I'll lobby hard for that one. Hmm, I like it. Very well researched. All right, that's good. That's good. All right, suckers. I'm excited for Brad's. Let's do this. First of all, I just want to apologize to everyone. Yeah, it's I know. not for lack of terrible. It's not for lack of looking. I haven't found a single like female contender in this list. I agree. And like we're looking hard. I, it's, you know, we've got other musical. St- it's not just like we've got three rappers and we throw in Alexi Lalas. Like, I mean, that's how it might end up. But <laughs> like we're, we've been looking for athletes who, um, we're looking for athletes who have kind of contributed across the spectrum of music. I just can't find, are we just not looking in the right place? Are they just not getting covered by the media? Are they just, more focused on their career than just doing I dumb shit. I spent a lot of time looking as well, and I even noticed on some of the uh, chat boards where they were discussing, there were uh, female fans who were like, where are the ladies at? But no one ever threw out an actual it's suggestion. Crazy. It's crazy. All right, so here's my list. You guys ready? Shaq, yep. definitely, in the Washington uh, in the Washington era. I'd have Alexi Lalas as my Lincoln. Like off, on, you know, kind of on the side, like poised, looking in, the hair kind of going all over the side would be okay. great. I'm going to throw Dame Dalla potentially up here because mm, I think soon. he's a he's an athlete. He's he's a rapper. I think the athlete rapper has been such a novelty over the years, and he's he's really striving for artistry. He wrote a song. I've said this in my Jensen Carp interview. He wrote a song about Ferguson. Like, this is a guy trying to use his platform to make good music and good statements. I think that's a little different than a lot of the other rap that's been made, which is a lot about, you know, do you want me to shoot it? Yeah. <laughs> no, do you want me to jam it? <laughs> By the way, nothing against that song. It's amazing. Um, so I, I would consider Dame Dalla. Uh, I also had Bernie Williams on my list pretty high. Um, I'm going in. I'm just going to throw him out there. Then sure. I'll, I'll do it. Uh, what about Sean White? In a rock band, and what I like about it, he plays guitar in the rock band. He's not um, not the front man. Yeah, not the front uh-huh. man. Uh, yep. Speaking of which, Chris Cluey, our guest today, 
we'll go ahead and nominate. I'm going to nominate uh, Tripping Icarus, his band. We use their song on our theme, you know? Like You do. <laughs> uh, how about this? Pele has an album. Huh. You get credit if you're the best ever in your sport. Right, right. right. And you still release no, an album. I don't know where this theory came from. All right. Reverse Einstein. Chris Berman, as we've mentioned, multiple Huey Lewis performances. I mentioned that last week. Like, <laughs> credit. Uh, in the same way that Gail Sayers is like considered an all-time great running back, even though he doesn't have a long career, I really am considering Dana Barros, who I think is probably the best yeah. technical rapper of that era and maybe ever. Maybe ever. Uh, for sports. And then Dion <laughs> Deion Sanders. You can't do it. I'm only going to, I'm, I'm, I'm just, he's a nominee. So Dion's a nominee for this reason. He was playing to sports pretty well when he put out the album like guy didn't have a lot of time but he wove this in <laughs> sir oh he had time during you. the baseball se- season <laughs> did you see him <laughs> <laughs> still be the games are long you know you're sitting around uh no i only say that because i actually bought that album and it's one of my most shameful moments in life right because i uh. was a huge Deion sanders fan until i met him so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Shaq, Alexi, Bernie Williams, uh-huh. and then my fourth is gonna be oh this is so hard my list is so good uh, I'm gonna go with Dana Barrows <laughs> I'm just gonna do it he's it, check it I think is like Gareth it's it it's really good it's like I'm trying to I'm trying I'm trying really hard to find another example that's not invisible man because I feel like that really like that really just like <laughs> takes away from a really important book that I love but like as as that is like a singular work that defines an artist um Dana Barros is defined by the singular cultural achievement that is the rap song check it and you know another guy who I would throw out there um Unfortunately, his album never released, but Allen Iverson. So if we were Jules. doing if we were doing a hip hop Mount Rushmore, yeah, I would put my- him up there just for the cultural impact he had with like the hip hop lifestyle he led. And the single 40 bars is also one of the greatest athlete rap songs I've ever heard by Allen Iverson. Unfortunately, again, not much substance to it. Um, a lot of uh, references to uh, to shooting people and violence, but technically, but that was uh, important. Outstanding because performance. It was important. We talked about this. Uh, clearly, you did not listen to the podcast with Jensen Carp. You should get on that, Adam. But we talked about that, and I said I liked how Iverson. Everyone knew he was not shooting people. Like he was clearly playing that night in Milwaukee. But he created a persona around himself that was like this dangerous lifestyle, which I thought was an interesting choice to make. Like, right. again, it wasn't necessarily that it was great art, but he was trying something interesting. That, that's why I would also consider well, that was Dion. All of gangster rap. I mean, all of gangster yeah. rap was that. Like, I mean, if you added up the body count of most gangster rap albums, you know, it would be it would number in the hundreds, but it was just, I don't want to say it was a fiction. It just, it reflected 
I don't know. It reflected a life. It I reflected mean, what they were seeing in their communities. Exactly. Right, so it was CNN for the black, for black America. Yeah. So. We have to argue this out. Who goes up? I'm not feeling great about too many of my picks. I, I do want to fight for Wayman Tisdale. All right. I think, well, had, we, I think it's a un, I think it's. A, I think he may suffer a little bit because of the genre of music he's involved in, but he was. I mean, he had a number one Billboard charting album. That's all I. I think that's say fair. That's that. like what Cha- Shaq. We always say he was a platinum out. He's a plat or gold selling rapper. Now, Gareth, if we give Dubs. Wayman Tisdale, do we take like Alexi? Because he was both pretty high on our list. Well, so like I think Wayman Tisdale goes on over Bernie Williams. Yes. Because, and this is one of those things like Wayman Tisdale died, Abraham Lincoln died. You know, you remember them as, as the angels, whereas Bernie Williams will suffer from being out and making more smooth jazz. So Wayman Tisdale goes up. <laughs> And I think Alexi Lawless becomes our rock representative. <laughs> we, uh, we're the first show in sports history to say that Bernie Williams has suffered uh, <laughs> is significantly in the, in the cultural zeitgeist and, and must therefore trudge, a, trudge ahead, making more smooth jazz albums. Uh, I'm glad we started this show, guys. It's good use of... I wanted to, I wanted oh, to talk so about my much. comparison of Wayman Tisdale and Abraham Lincoln. I thought that really was the first. So. Bravo again. Yeah. All right, so here's how it's going to work. Follow us on Twitter at Just.Sports. We will put up an image. We'll we'll get a we'll get Kyle on, on the case, our our wonderful graphic designer. We'll get an image up of our Mount Rushmore, and then we'll we will start posting the nominees and let you guys decide the fourth. And then let's go get Alexi on the show. We'll talk to him about it. And uh, there'll be a Spotify playlist with oh, as much of the music excellent. that we can find. Wonderful. Well I mean, you guys should actually hear some Tommy Guerrero. I don't hold out much hope for the name recognition, but hey, Alexi's uh, got a new album. You know, Alexi's got a new yeah, album called uh, uh, "Shots." Shots. Check it out. All right. With that, we're gonna take a break. We will come back. We're gonna do some distractions. Give some shout-outs. Stick around. All right, that is our show for this week. If you didn't like it, remember the words of Malcolm Jenkins. The beauty, my friend, is in the imperfection. But we're not going to go away just yet. We started something last week we kind of liked. We all we all know athletes get a bag of crap for being a distraction, air quotes, uh, when they get, you know, just do things they like that aren't sitting around watching film. So we're going to, you know, steer into that skid and say, Hey, go be a distraction. Like go get into something you like. So we're going to give you some of the things that are distracting us this week. Gareth, let me start with you. What, what's your distraction? Uh, I'm not a Radiohead cultist. I don't listen to all of them. I haven't listened to all their albums. My second favorite Radiohead album behind okay. Computer is their new album moon shaped pool. I think it is gorgeous. I think it is incredible. Listen to it on headphones, but oh my God, the new Radiohead album is definitely worth seeking out. That is my distraction. Good. Adam, what about yours? I've long been obsessed uh, in a weird way with the 1996 film, The Island of Dr. Moreau, Mm. uh, starring Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. Um, 
Little did I know until I listened to a podcast, uh, How Did This Get Made? Love it. About what a disaster this movie was. And there was a documentary made about what a disaster the making of The Island of Dr. Moreau was. Um, It's called Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Did you watch it? It's on Netflix. I'm halfway through it. I'm going to finish the rest of it right after this. It is phenomenal. Uh, Just to give you a little nugget from the documentary, um, at one point Marlon Brando is on set with um, one of the New Line Cinema uh, executives and he says, you know what we should do? We need to go rewrite this movie. Here's what I'm thinking. I'll be wearing a hat the whole movie and at the end of it, <laughs> I take my hat off, and there's a fin because it turns out I'm a dolphin. Yeah, and and like that is awesome. the, the how did this get <laughs> made about laughing. it is amazing. I was laughing from the moment you said Marlon Brando was on set. <laughs> was like, oh, baby. <laughs> well, it like, is phenomenal. Brad, you would love it. Like, Val Kilmer came in to play one role and then just decided, like, he was going to play a different role. So, like, recast the movie, like, on the set. Yeah, he signed up and said, I, I'm i going to need 40% less time on set. And they were like, well, we'll have to give you a new role. And he was like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Disaster. Disaster. Uh, speaking of watching things that are you shouldn't watch, um, I had, like, a uh, like an ingrown hair. And then I ended up going on this YouTube kind of hole where I watched like like people like pulling those out and like exploding like cysts and stuff for like 30 minutes. <laughs> Ooh, <I laughs> Joe, will... just give me a thumbs up. It, you know what? If you're listening to this, there's a segment of people out there that have done this before where you're just like, oh, this is weird. And then you just get then you look up and you're like, I've been watching that for 30 minutes. It went from like 1004 to 1034. I need to just like get up and walk around in that same area. I have one for you. So my dentist, I was like, Hey, I've heard like a home remedy for mouthwash is hydrogen peroxide. Can you really gargle with that as a way to eliminate germs? And she was like, let me show you something. And she Googled some pictures of a disease called hairy tongue. Google hairy tongue. Tell me what you think. Leave it at that. That that is America's distraction this week. Uh, all right, let's give some shout outs. I want to give a shout out to Chris Cluey. Our guest, uh, just great Renaissance man, great follow on Twitter, uh, provides the themes music for this for this show until Dana Barros, uh, you know, gives us the rights to B-Ball's best kept secrets. Joe, you're doing a great job. Thumbs up to you, buddy, as always. And then Adam, any shout outs? Uh, no one in particular, except uh, I have to thank my boys, uh, my boy Uzi, mm-hmm. Def Jeff, Little Swanee, Meech. Ron Mack, and uh, forgot my list this week, guys. Was it your other cousin Ron on there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my other cousin Ron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love those guys. Thank you guys for all you do for the show. Huge help. And uh, Booty Rappers, in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, and the immortal words of the George Washington of the athlete Mount Rushmore of musicians, <laughs> Booty Rappers, stay, stay booty. booty. That should be on the on on the side, just boot in quotes, like underneath booty rapper, stay booty. We should have our own pledge of allegiance. Oh, oh, bootyful. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. I'll see you next week. 